bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. This is our Tuesday, March 30th, 2021 podcast. The New Markets Tax Credit, or NMTC, is a critical tool for financing community development in low-income communities across America. The NMTC is used by community development entities to raise tax credit equity to enable them to provide below market financing to qualified businesses. Now, on today's podcast, we're going to talk about an important subject for anyone involved in the New Markets Tax Credit Community Development Incentive, namely how lower New Market Tax Equity pricing is affecting the financing of community development activities and what businesses seeking New Market Tax Credit financing can do to adjust for the current lower levels of tax credit equity pricing. To discuss this timely topic, joining me today is my partner, Brad Elphick. Brad is in our Atlanta office, and Brad works extensively with all stakeholders in a new markets tax credit transaction, including the owners of businesses, seeking investment, community development entities, as well as investors. Brad has extensive experience modeling new market tax credit transactions and helping his clients identify and evaluate additional sources of soft financing. Now, Brad's efforts in helping clients identify additional sources of soft financing is particularly important during times like these with lower equity prices. Now, many of you already know Brad through his leadership of the New Markets Tax Credit Working Group. Now, we'll break today's discussion into two parts. We're going to start out by talking about the current state of New Markets Tax Credit equity pricing and how we got here. Then, we'll discuss what types of community development transactions are particularly affected and what those businesses, investors, and CDEs can do to mitigate the reduction in overall new market tax rate subsidy due to lower equity pricing. Now, Brad does have some very practical suggestions, and I suspect that you're going to come away from this podcast with action steps that you may not have considered. This is an important topic for community development practitioners, and we have a lot of interesting ground to cover today. So if you're ready, let's get started. Brad, let me thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Mike. I'm glad to be here and looking forward to our discussion. So let's start off with the basics. What is the current level of new markets tax credit equity pricing? I'm sure that's on all of our listeners' minds. And then also, if you could share how the current pricing level compares to the level of tax credit equity pricing for new markets tax credits before the pandemic began. Sure. So the status of current pricing is always an important topic and one that most practitioners are interested in. And it's mainly because it's such a critical component of the overall new market tax credit structure and the amount of subsidy that can be created. And since new market tax credits is meant to fill a gap, it's important to know how much of that gap can be filled. Uh, And with lower pricing, as we're currently seeing, that gap can be a little bit more difficult to fill than when pricing is higher. Currently, I would say that pricing is uh, dropping or starting to level out. It's around anywhere between 68 to 72 cents per credit now. That's based on transactions that I'm seeing, transactions that have received recent uh, term sheets. But it's interesting to note that at its peak in around 2017, it was around 87 cents before the pandemic. And since this equity amount that the investor is willing to put into these transactions is calculated on this price per credit formula, I thought it would be interesting to just highlight how significant a difference in pricing can be. And so in my example, I have a $10 million qualified equity investment or QEI. This will generate $3.9 million in new market tax credits. At 87 cents per credit, that's just under $3.4 million of tax credit equity going into the investment fund and being contributed as part of the $10 million qualified equity investment. At today's current pricing of around 70 cents, that equity is 2.7 million or just over 2.7 million. And so you have a difference in pricing, creating a difference in the amount of equity of about $663,000. That means that the tax credit equity component has gone from being almost 34% of the $10 million QEI to just over 27% of that QEI. It is evident that pricing is appearing to level out. We have done some surveys within our New Market Tax Credit Working Group 
And the 68 to 72 cents does appear to be where deals are closing in 2021. And we'll obviously keep our eye on uh, if pricing continues to drop or if we might see pricing go back up similar to what we did in the Great Recession. So kind of following up on my question about pre and post pandemic effects, uh, how much of the equity and pricing drop do you think is due to the pandemic uh, and the pandemic related recession versus some other causes? Sure. I think it's important to note, and we've seen this in the surveys of pricing that we've done, that pricing was already coming down pre-pandemic. As I mentioned before, peaked in 2017, and it has steadily been coming down in the years since. In 2019, we saw an average of around 84 cents per credit. And so there was already some downward pressure on pricing and pricing can ultimately be impacted by the appetite that a tax credit investor has for these types of tax credit investments, specifically new market tax credits. So appetite is is important to understand and how it's impacted for a tax credit investor. And there's many factors that can be taken into account that may have an ultimate impact on the pricing. Some of those factors are obviously increases or decreases in tax liability. Uh, These tax credits are meant to offset tax liabilities. So if a recession is reducing the amount of taxes that an investor owes or projects to owe over the next couple of years, then you may see a, a drop in pricing because the appetite for those credits isn't as great. However, as we see in when the economy is doing well and investors have taxable income and higher tax liability, they want to be able to offset more of that tax liability through the use of tax credits generated through these new market tax credit investments. Lower corporate tax rates obviously has had an impact on the pricing of tax credits. There is no coincidence that we kind of saw the peak in pricing in 2017. 2017, the corporate tax rate was changed from 35% to 21%. And so that reduced tax liabilities for many corporations. And again, going back to impacting the, the appetite for tax credits because of lower tax liabilities. It will be interesting uh, to see what the potential for higher corporate tax rates in the future may have on pricing. Obviously, we have had uh, a tremendous amount of stimulus package dollars going out. And the question obviously becomes, how is that going to be paid? And one logical place could be an increase in tax rates. So with any increase in a tax rate, you would also expect the appetite for tax credits to offset that additional tax liability to also increase. One of the other obstacles that investors face is a limitation on the ability to use general business tax credits, which the new market tax credit is one, to offset tax liability. Currently, investors can use tax credits to offset general business credits to offset $25,000 plus 75% of their remaining tax liability. So if tax liabilities are coming down or due to recessionary factors, then the cap may be hit much quicker than it was when the tax liabilities were greater. One of the other components that could also impact tax credit appetite is the Community Reinvestment Act or CRA credit that a investor, a financial institution can receive for making new market tax credit investments. The CRA was a law that was used to encourage depository institutions of most of the new market tax credit investors to help meet the credit needs of the communities in which they operate. And there's been lots of discussion recently about how that's measured and how it should be incentivized. And we've been watching that uh, as part of the new market tax credit working group. But ultimately, there are areas that financial institutions need to invest in in order to keep a high CRA credit rating. And in these areas, they tend to attract greater pricing. Also, one of the factors in a high price environment or a low price environment that always comes up are rates of returns or yields on on investments. When pricing is higher, obviously, these, these rates of return go down as pricing has dipped down to where it is now, those rates have rates of return have increased. And anytime you have an increase in the rates of return, it opens up the marketplace to additional investors who are more yield driven. And so as we've seen pricing trend down, 
We've seen some investors who were had stepped away from the investor market now step back in because the yields are favorable and are acceptable at where they are now. Other factors, believe it or not, that could impact pricing are accounting issues. There are accounting issues, which I'll discuss later, I believe, uh, related to how new market tax credit investments are recorded. And the current way is not the most favorable accounting treatment, and it impacts ultimately investors' decisions of whether or not to make these types of tax credit investments. And then finally, the, the last one I would say is really the, what I would call the durability or longevity of the tax credit program. We just got a five-year extension, uh, which obviously is helpful in allowing investors to plan for the future and, and develop a new market tax credit strategy. When, that, when a program like new market tax credits is getting one-year extensions, it becomes a little bit more disjointed in being able to develop an investing strategy. So we think ultimately that the five-year extension is good and permanency would be better for the program, but also for tax credit pricing. Well, thanks for that uh, pricing overview. I think I distilled roughly five uh, major contributors, and they may or may not be in this order, but it seemed like one major contributor that you noted and explained was the level of the corporate tax liability of a particular investor and their projections going into the future. And obviously, the pandemic caused one to believe they're less likely, at least in the near term, to have a corporate tax liability at a level one uh, would have projected before. Uh, the second was the Community Reinvestment Act and the interaction there. And as many listeners know, the Community Reinvestment Act, you know, has there's been proposed changes to it and how banks get credit for making Community Reinvestment Act investments uh, and loans and provide services in the area, which affects the pricing. The third being competing rates of return. What are alternative investments yielding? Because at the end of the day, this investments in new market tax credits are a yield-driven investment. Uh, the fourth you mentioned was the accounting issues for publicly traded companies. Investors are principally publicly traded companies and how they have to record these types of investments affect their desirability. And then fifth was the durability and longevity of the new market tax credit incentive. I did want to also note for our listeners, when they think about a dollar in tax credits and they're hearing you know, the pricing level that you're referencing... And we think of 70 cents or 75 cents or 80 cents for a dollar in tax credits. Oftentimes I'll hear, oh, you know, where's that difference? <laughs> where's that? Why is there such a large discount? And I would note that the new market tax credit is a taxable credit. And other tax credits, such as the low income housing tax credit, is not a taxable credit. When I say taxable, I basically mean there's a basis reduction associated with that dollar in tax credits. So in essence, if you paid a dollar for the tax credit, and you're a corporation, then you lose a dollar in tax deductions. And if your marginal corporate tax rate is 21 cents, then if you paid a dollar and you lose a dollar in deductions, uh, your net value is more in the range of 79 cents. So you'd actually be thinking theoretically that maybe the credit shouldn't sell for more than 79 cents, but there's other desirabilities and the like that uh, lead one to be able to pay that and get the credit because there's timing difference in terms of how the base reduction works and the like. But I just wanted to point out that taxability issue uh, as something that has a notable effect on uh, equity pricing. So one shouldn't think a dollar in tax credits is always would be worth a dollar because it's also claimed, I would note, over seven years versus being claimed up front. But anyway, enough of uh, uh, that. Uh, let's talk more about the equity pricing. And if you could give us some uh, sense as to how the current equity pricing compares to the last time we had a recession, you know, like we are experiencing now. Uh, and that would be, of course, the Great Recession about a decade ago. And when you look at the equity pricing now, uh, in the midst of a recession, or hopefully as we're exiting a recession, how does the pricing now compare to the pricing from the Great Recession about a decade ago? Sure. So as I've mentioned, we have an internal survey that we've done of tax credit pricing based on all of the new market tax credit transactions that we've been a part of. And this extends back to 2005 and goes through today. And when you look at pricing, it, there are some obvious similarities between where pricing is now and where it was in the Great Recession. And I think that that's why the Great Recession is a good place to look to see, you know, what did the marketplace look like? What, hap what happened to price? Where was pricing before? What happened after? And so I just wanted to kind of give a quick summary of 
what pricing has done during those years of the Great Recession and between the Great Recession and the current ongoing pandemic and where they are now and how those all compare. So the year before the Great Recession in 2006, average tax credit pricing was around 79 cents. The Great Recession, which I think is defined as December 2007 through June 2009, at its low, it reached to 69 cents. And that was overall about a almost an 11% decline in pricing. Now, that pricing decline happened over several years. So it, it wasn't as dramatic as what we're seeing currently and the decrease in pricing. So during the Great Recession, pricing declined nearly 11%. And since from, from 2006 at, at 79 cents, it decreased almost 14%. But after the Great Recession, after 2010, when the economy began recovering, so did tax credit pricing. And between 2011 and 2013, during those three years, the increase in pricing each year was almost 5%. And so there was some, some rapid increase in pricing. That meant pricing went from 69 cents in 2010 to 72 cents in 2011, 76 in 2012, and 81 cents in 2013. Pricing reached its peak, as I mentioned, in 2017 with an average price of about 87 cents. This was overall about a 20% increase from the low of 69 cents. So in, in seven years, you saw about a 20% increase in pricing. In 2019, as we mentioned, pricing had started to come down and was on average about 84 cents. And when the pandemic started, the average pricing has been around 75 cents in 2020, and then has further declined, as I mentioned before, on average about 70 cents. It is, I think, interesting to look at these. And I and one of the observations I had was the time period of each recession, you know, the Great Recession and the time period of that versus the time period of our uh, current pandemic. Uh, the Great Recession was a period of decline of, uh, you know, three, three and a half years. And the annual decline in pricing was never more than 6%. And so that impact was spread out over a longer period of time. Unfortunately, during the ongoing pandemic that we're in right now since early 2020, the average price has declined nearly 20% over a much shorter period of time. I think that that is reflective of the two different types of economic recessions that we've experienced, uh, one being heavily impacted by the real estate sector being the Great Recession, and this one obviously being impacted because of a global pandemic. But I still think it's a fair comparison to look at both of them. And what I always like to look at is we in the worst part of the Great Recession, the average pricing was the low at, the, at its lowest at 69 cents. And we're currently at around 70 cents. So hopefully what we will see is that we are near the bottom of pricing and that we will have a similar uptick in pricing over the next couple of years. Now, as I mentioned before, there's a lot of factors that go into pricing. But if you want to compare two economic recessions, I think there is some hope for a similar recovery, if not faster, for the same reasons for why it's a quicker fall in pricing now. But how long that will take you know, is unknown. And as I mentioned before, if, if we're going to try to pull a silver lining from lower pricing, I think it's that because most investors are yield-driven, it is attracting some more investors into the marketplace that we haven't seen in a while, but how long they will stay is unknown. So that, 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 that's my biggest observation or comparison between the two different recessions. Mike, I don't know if you had any different observations. No, I think that's a good summary. You know, I would just note that the other interesting thing about sort of tax rates, because you mentioned the potential for higher tax rates coming, is technically, the, since the uh, new market tax rate is a taxable credit, it is slightly more valuable when the rate goes down because the sort of taxation, if you will, of the rate goes down. But the flip side, as you ably noted, is that the overall level of corporate tax liability goes down when rates are cut. And since now we're looking at rates uh, likely rising, and we don't know to what level, is it 25% or is it higher? And what might the time frame of that be? that the fact that there would be more tax liability will lead to more corporations likely seeking to make tax credit type investments to offset that liability and that greater demand more than offsets the mechanics as to the taxability of the credit itself. And then, the, of course, there's other changes that 
uh, we'd like to see legislative changes that would eliminate the taxability of the credit that would really give a boost to equity pricing and really add to the level of efficiency of the new market tax credit. But with that, do you want to uh, you know, share some of your takeaways from the impact of uh, the lower equity pricing and sure. what might uh, you know, businesses, investors, and CDEs uh, want to be doing uh, to help address that? Right. So as I mentioned before, in a lower price environment, there becomes an additional stress on projects or operating businesses that are trying to take advantage of the new market tax credit subsidy. And one of the things that I work a lot on is transaction consulting and financial modeling. And I'm a big believer that a well-developed financial model is needed to uh, address any of these issues related to a new market tax credit transaction, whether the pricing is high or pricing is low. These types of transactions can be complicated and there's lots of nuances to them. And what a financial model really helps you do is be able to see a clear picture of how the new market tax credit benefit makes its way to the Qualic B. And for Qualic Bs and project sponsors, operating businesses, the, the main focus that they generally have is how much subsidy can I get to fill the gap that my project currently has. A new market tax credit project is typically not able to proceed without new market tax credit financing as it may be currently envisioned. So as pricing, tax credit pricing has receded, we have seen other sources of leverageable financing become more affordable, as well as new resources of financing have been created that weren't previously available. And when you're looking at the new market tax credit structure, this idea of leverage is important. And Qualic Bs need to understand that Part of what they're, they need to bring to the table is an access to a certain amount of capital that can be leveraged with the investor's tax credit equity. So filling that capital stack that will ultimately source the leverage loan in the transaction it is important to understand. And, and when there's more stress on that, because as I mentioned before, with lower tax credit pricing, the equity component is a smaller percentage. So that means that the debt component or the leverage loan component is a higher percentage of the overall financing. And so finding ways to make different sources of financing work within the new market tax credit program is one, extremely valuable to you as the borrower because the more that you can leverage, the, the more subsidy that you'll be able to generate but also understanding that every source of financing doesn't necessarily fit within the new market tax credit structure. And so if you have options of what types of financing that you can obtain, we can help you understand, okay, this program works or this program doesn't work going through the new market tax credit structure. Doesn't mean that you can't put that source of financing directly at the project level. But when we're talking about leveraging those sources, you have to look at what are all the uh, requirements of that source of financing. Each program has different requirements. And it seems like we're often asked, you, you know, will this program work or will financing under this program work? And so we have to take the model and see if we can make the different uh, requirements of those programs match within the requirements of the new market tax credit structure. It is encouraging that there are initiatives underway and have been underway at the federal level to try to make existing federal programs work with new market tax credits as a source of, le of leverage. Uh, one of those is the USDA has a guaranteed loan program. Uh, they put out a request for comments about how regulations for their program could help provide guidance that will make guaranteed USDA loans work through the new market tax credit structure as a source of leverage. And I, I think that that's, that's important to see that you do have a recognition, at least within the federal government, that one, the new market tax credit is an invaluable tool for community development. And two, that 
we can provide more subsidy to these types of projects or businesses by combining our other existing programs. So the New Market Tax Credit Working Group responded to these comments from USDA, and, and we've seen over time USDA move closer and closer to really making, providing more financing through, either through their guaranteed loan program or other ways so that they can be leveraged through the New Market Tax Credit structure. And what it, we do with the financial model is show that. And so not only does the quality be as the borrower understand the amount of subsidy that's creating and the gap that that's filling, but it also allows the other players within the transaction, the CDE, the investor, the lenders understand, okay, if I put my money into this structure, how is it going to flow through the structure? And then how is it going to go back up through the structure at the end? And there's a lot of nuances that you have to take into account, not only to get to a closing, but also you're, you're wanting to plan for how you're going to exit this transaction at the end of seven years. Typically, the investor wants to get out at the end of seven years. And so by having these sources of financing and, and working through the financial model, you're really able to see how what the ultimate net benefit is going to be over that entire time that the financing is in place. As I've mentioned before, I think it is important to note that just because there's a source of financing available to you, it may not work within the new market tax credit structure. And so that's just as important to understand of how you can make something work through the new market tax credit structure. The good news in, in my mind, Mike, is that we've been at this pricing level before. We've had this stress on capital sources before. And that's why I think it was natural for us to kind of look at what happened in, in the Great Recession. And transactions then, just like transactions now, are still finding ways to pencil out but by making these financial models work to show that gaps can be filled even when tax credit pricing is lower. However, it obviously uh, requires a little bit more creativity and planning when, when tax credit equity pricing is lower uh, because of the additional stress that quids on getting additional uh, leverage loan sources. Uh, so it, it, it does obviously put some pressure on those types of transactions. However, current indications based upon uh, the periodic QEI reports published by the CDFI fund are that transactions are actually still closing at a very good rate in terms of the, in the amount and volume of, of the transactions. And when you look at those reports, I, I think it's also interesting to note that with this program, we are at some of the lowest all-time levels of allocation that hasn't been finalized, meaning that there's not a, a lot more allocation to go around for existing deals until the next round is awarded. And now with that $5 billion round that we're waiting in, the 2020 round, we expect awards to be announced sometime this summer. What month that is, I can't tell you, but I, I would, based on everything else, expect it to be sometime this summer. And the, and the CDFI fund has been pretty consistent about that. I think it's, it's important to start now on figuring out how to put your project pencil out by working with us to help with a financial model and ultimately helping you to attract new market tax credit allocation from CDEs. As I mentioned, this, this is one of the, the biggest parts of what I do as part of my practice. And I can't stress enough the importance of a financial model because every transaction or nearly every transaction requires a financial model prepared by a CPA like myself. And so we, we've worked on hundreds of these over our, uh, over our history. And I'm still amazed, though, how in these types of environments, we find new ways to innovate and to leverage different sources of financing. Uh, and, and so that I, I believe wholeheartedly, even though pricing is lower, that we can still get these transactions to the finish line. Great. Thank you for that overview. Brad, I did want to note for those listeners of ours of this podcast that aren't members of the New Market Attachment Working Group or frequent attendees of our New Market Attachment Conferences, that when Brad mentions QUALICBE, <laughs> that is an acronym. Uh, and in short, it means a business that's eligible to receive New Market Attachment Credit financing. 
And it's an acronym for Qualified Active Low-Income Community Business. And I won't go into all the definitions uh, of what a, quote, qualicbi is, but it is, in essence, a qualified business eligible to receive new market tetrate financing from a community development entity. And that's one of the other areas where we work quite a bit with businesses or proposed businesses that want to be Qualicbees is helping advise them on whether or not they qualify uh, as a Qualicbee and uh, if not, what steps they might be able to do to qualify. So let's talk briefly. I want to go back and spend a little more time uh, getting your thoughts on uh, ways we can help qualified businesses or businesses that want to see if they're qualified who could then seek new market tax credit subsidized financing. But I thought it'd be good uh, in the middle of the podcast to talk about good news. <laughs> uh, we're spending a lot of time talking about lower equity pricing. And the New Market Tax Credit recently received a five-year extension of the annual allocation authority. They received it at the end of 2020. And that number is $5 billion per year for five years, which compares to a $3.5 billion allocation of issuance authority for calendar years through 2019. And the extension and higher amount do go, I said, out five years, so that's through 2025. So maybe, Brad, you can share with our listeners the importance of having received this longer-term extension and expansion, the importance of it to uh, new market tax credit stakeholders. And also, if you want, if you have any thoughts on if we can get it to be permanent as opposed to long-term extensions, what difference that would make? Sure. So a five-year extension is is great. It's obviously much better than a, a one-year extension or, and even better than a retroactive extension. So I think you know the, the New Market Tax Credit community was very excited to get that five-year extension. The nice thing about five years is it gives a longer runway for the New Market Tax Credit program, and that's for all of the participants involved. And with an increase in the total amount of allocation, as Mike said, from $3.5 billion to the $5 billion, it means that more dollars can ultimately be provided to these qualified businesses. So you have more awardees. So those are more CDEs that are receiving the awards. And therefore, more projects can be served. But going back to this concept of a longer runway, I think for the efficacy of the, of the new market tax credit program, it's important for there to be a level of certainty about the program. A five-year extension gives us more certainty about the program being around for the next five years than a one-year extension would give us. Obviously, goes without saying. And so what this allows investors and CDEs to do is it gives them an opportunity to develop a longer-term new market tax credit strategy. Over the years, as we've kind of gone through all of these different extensions, we've had extensions of all different kinds of length, it does put pressure on organizations in terms of their internal infrastructure and, and, and getting ramped up to deliver on a new market tax credit strategy. And so with this longer runway, now they can develop a much longer strategy for their new market tax credit investing goals. And so I think that that's important. And I think ultimately that will have a positive impact on pricing. But it's also important, I think, for project sponsors and operating businesses that are looking to attract new market tax credit financing, because now they have a better understanding of, okay, this program may be around in two years when my project is going to be ready to really pursue and, and use new market tax credit financing. Whereas before the extension, you may not have known whether or not you should pursue a new market tax credit uh, financing opportunity if your project wasn't going to be ready for the next two years because the program before the extension ended at the uh, end of 2020. So I think for both or for all participants, including investors, CDEs, and qualified businesses, I think it, it puts into place a lot of more flexibility and certainty related to creating strategies. Now, Mike, as you mentioned, even better than a five-year extension is permanency. And I think that that's what we have been obviously trying to obtain for a long time, time now, ever since the program came out. And I think that if we ultimately, if we got permanency, it would encourage even more long-term strategies to be developed by all the different new market tax credit participants. And I think with those types of longer-term strategies and certainty about the program being available, 
it will also allow greater transaction efficiencies to occur. And so generally that's important to a qualified business because greater transaction efficiency generally means more subsidy available to the qualified business. And so in this type of environment, that, that is crucial for uh, qualified businesses. And your uh, point about qualified businesses being able to plan on the subsidy being around is really a significant uh, aspect of this multi-year extension and, and obviously also sort of the permanency. Being able to know that the allocations are going to be coming for five years, there'll be future awards. If you're looking at development right now, you can incorporate new market tax credit subsidized financing in your plan, your financing plan, even though you may not be able to, you may not be in need of the financing for a couple of years. Whereas in the past, it was much more challenging to do that. And then I also would just note, as you know, that CEs, when they do win an award, they do want to get their money out on the street as quickly as possible. So that's one of the other reasons why a CDE will be looking for businesses that need the financing now, as opposed to getting an award now and letting it sit for a couple of years until a business is ready to take the financing. So I don't know if you had any more, uh, any more to share about the permanency before we kind of get back to our topic about the impact of lower equity pricing. Is there anything more you wanted to share on the need for an extension or not no. an extension, a need for permanency now that we have a long-term extension? Right. No, I, I think that that's probably enough and, and definitely looking forward to this next part of the discussion. Yeah, so as we've been discussing the lower equity pricing, it obviously affects every borrower, every investee, and it affects every CDE. But as with most things, uh, some are more affected than others. So what types of uh, borrowers or types of plan transactions are you finding are more affected by the equity pricing uh, decreases? And, and perhaps more importantly, <laughs> maybe after you share you know, some of the types of businesses most impacted or proposed borrowers or investees, if you could share you know, some of the steps uh, that our listeners who operate businesses that are seeking this financing can take to help offset the lower equity pricing. Sure. So I think right now, and as it has been really over the life of the program and, and the reason why the program was created is that an investment in highly distressed communities across our country is needed now more than ever. And I'm a big believer that the new market tax credit is, is one of the preeminent community development tools to achieve that higher investment in these communities. And so when you look at what the impact has been on qualified businesses that are looking for ways to fill these financing gaps that are looking to operate in these low-income communities, you really have to evaluate your entire transaction. And, and as I said before, putting together a financial model that would include a flow chart and go through many of the myriad of, of calculations that will ultimately end up coming to what the total amount of subsidy that can be provided to the project and ultimately fill the gap. You know, some potential qualified businesses fear, obviously, that their transactions before that they were putting together when pricing was higher, barely penciled out. Uh, and so how can they still get new market tax credits to work for them when pricing has decreased as quickly as it has and as low as it has? And I, I do believe that, unfortunately, in, in a lower tax credit pricing environment, there's going to be some casualties in terms of the businesses that may be able to fill enough or fill all of the gap that they have with, with the tax credit subsidy. However, I think the new market tax credit program is extremely versatile. If you go back and look at all of the different types of qualified businesses that have been financed, it's a very, very versatile tool and is not limited to a certain type of business. And so I think that it, it's indicative of the way that the new market tax credit program can find ways to leverage other sources of capital beyond sponsor equity and conventional financing. And so I think that generally when pricing is stronger, you often see quad Bs or qualified businesses able to obtain enough conventional sources is sponsor equity, you know, a traditional debt from a financing institution to leverage the tax credit equity. As pricing recedes and, and dips to the levels that it is now, as we've talked about before, you are now having to identify 
ways to find more sources of financing or different types of sources of financing. One of, one of the benefits of, of, of the environment that we're in now is obviously some sources of financing are cheaper due to all-time low interest rates. So that's helpful for being able to get these projects to pencil out. And we've seen that in our modeling that we've done. But taking all of these different components and helping, what we can do is help you identify what the gap may be, where the gaps are, and different opportunities to bring in sources of financing that can ultimately solve that problem. Sometimes the gap is less than you think until you put it through kind of the new market tax credit ringer or the structure through these financial models. It can be difficult to understand exactly what that gap is and how significant it is. But I really do believe that the financial a, a financial model helps make that picture more clear to the qualified business. And I obviously couldn't agree more in terms of the importance of a financial model because of the gap, I would say almost universally when a client comes to us, the actual gap uh, isn't what the client thinks it is. <laughs> you know, oftentimes it's less, sometimes it's more, but at the end of the day, you need to know what it is. And obviously the investors and the CDs themselves will want you to know what it is and they'll uh, insist on a financial model. Uh, and you want to go in uh, as prepared as possible. Maybe you could talk a bit about the language of new market tax credits in every area that has a bit of arcaneness to it, has a language to deal with that. And it's obviously important to understand that language. Maybe you could share how understanding the new market tax credit language or the NMTC language helps open doors of opportunity. Sure. I'm a big believer in the fact that the more prepared a potential qualified business is, the greater the chance that they will be able to actually attract new market tax credit financing. And Mike, as you mentioned, there is a language. You've already had to explain some of the acronyms I've used uh, in today's discussion. And I think that for those new market tax credit borrowers, the, the qualified businesses, for a lot of them, they may only do one new market tax credit transaction. And so they aren't, for example, in the low-income housing tax credit world, for example, you have LIHTC developers who develop a multifamily residential over and over and over and, and use the, the low-income housing tax credit as a tool for that. Whereas with new markets, in a lot of the transactions I see, that entity may only use it for one project. And so they're, they're not coming in with a long history of using new market tax credits typically. And so this idea of knowing how to speak the language and use the lingo I think is important because CDEs, uh, those are the entities that have the new market tax credit allocation. They have a limited amount of allocation that they can provide and they want to provide it to the highest and best use. And a lot of that's driven not only by their mission, but also by their goal of being able to get more allocation in future application rounds. And so what I help a lot of my clients with is on the front end is one we've talked about it a lot is, is putting together a financial model. And, and for a lot of my clients that come to me early in the process, I'm able to put together a preliminary model that shows that there's a structure that works and with new market tax credit allocation, we can then get down into the details and move to a closing and, and, and do a much more substantial financial model. The other thing that I can help, well, I've been able to help clients with is we help them understand that not only is there are there economic considerations for that will be underwritten, just like with any investment transaction, but there's also a community outcomes and a social impact component to it. And I typically use the analogy of you have to be able to talk about these projects and these businesses and pitch them both in a way like you would pitch a financial banker or institution, a lender, uh, and talk more about the economics. And the other way that you also have to be able to discuss it and describe it is as if you were going to a city council to propose a project and they're more interested in what is this project going to do for our community. CDEs kind of take both of those things and want to know, okay, does this project pencil out? And is it going to, to be able to do all the things it needs to do for the next seven years during the new market tax credit compliance period? But also, and maybe even more importantly, what are the community outcomes that this project will generate? 
And if any potential qualified business is interested in the community outcomes that a CDE is going to be focused on, I often point them or show them the list of community outcomes that that CDE has to describe in their own application. And these are pretty traditional community outcomes, jobs, types of jobs, wages, direct impacts, indirect or induced impacts. So there's a there's there's a lot of environmentally sustainable impacts. There, there's a lot of different um, community or outcomes. The CDFI fund uses the term community outcomes that that are able to be described. And so we've helped clients put together a one or two page description of their of their project or business, and a lot of it is focused on these outcomes. But when I first talk to some of these clients, they don't realize that that's such an important aspect of it. And if they were to go just to the CDE and just tell them all the great economics, but not have anything to support what the community outcomes will be, it's possible that that CDE may have to move on because it has 10 other borrowers looking for its financing as well. And they may be able to speak this, this new market tax credit language better and explain why their project or business is attractive. And one of the other ways that we help our clients tell this story is through our valuation and our group and our data analytics group who specialize in economic analysis, the economic and, and, and the outcomes associated with a potential project. And a lot of that can be done through what's called an in-plan study, which takes a look at not only the economic impact, but it looks at all of the community outcomes that I described before, like jobs and wealth creation, community services, and so forth. So I think that the, the, the having first those two things and being able to show that your transaction can work through some preliminary schedules, and then also being able to talk about the outcomes. I think those are two of the most important parts. And I think, too, knowing what's important to CDEs, not all CDEs are the same, and each have different goals. And currently, we're seeing a lot of CDEs and investors implement new diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives. And so I think being able to talk about how your project can support some of those initiatives will help you not only get your foot in the door further, but also may avail you to higher price. And then the next, or maybe my final point on this is there is a, a kind of process in a, a cycle to the availability of new market tax credit allocation. As I mentioned before, we're expecting the next round of allocation awards to be announced this summer which will award $5 billion of allocation. But part of the application process that these CDs, when they're putting together their application is making sure that they can identify a pipeline of potential investments. And so a lot of project sponsors and businesses looking for new market tax credit financing don't realize that they can begin the conversation with these CDEs before they may have allocation available to them, help them win more allocation by being able to include that project or that business in their pipeline that will be submitted with their application. And my colleague, Bob Ibanez, who was formerly uh, the new market tax credit program manager at the CDFI fund, he has really been able to help a lot of our clients put together great new market tax credit applications but because of all of the interaction that we have within our kind of new market tax credit team, we know of projects that don't have any allocation provided to them yet, but that are looking for it and can help get those projects into an application. And hopefully when the next awards come out for that CDE, they will have an award and be able to provide financing to uh, that qualified business. Great. Thank you for that, Brad. That was a very thorough discussion and the podcast itself has been pretty thorough. So I appreciate you joining me. And as we wrap things up here, I figured I'd just ask if there's anything else that our listeners should know about with respect to new market tax credits. 
Sure. I, I would just say that one of the things I would encourage everyone to take a look at is becoming members of the New Market Tax Credit Working Group. As Mike said, I run that group on behalf of all of our members, which include investors, CDEs, professionals, project sponsors. And I really believe that if you want to be part of the discussion, being a member of the working group allows you to be part of that discussion and include your ideas in terms of things that can be done and completed as part of the action items and the agenda of the New Market Tax Credit Working Group. You can find out more about that at nmtcworkinggroup.com. Just reach out to me. Our next call is April 12th. So if you would like to get a preview of that, I'd be happy to do that. But ultimately, it's about getting involved uh, in the program. As we've talked about, we're all looking for permanency. And we believe that by really generating really good transactions that ultimately will help us get to that permanency. Great. Thank you for that, Brad. I'd also uh, note that we do have a webinar on New Market Task Force Exit Strategies in the middle of May and our New Market Task Force Conference in Washington, D.C. It won't be in Washington, D.C. It'll be virtual. We'll have guests from Washington, D.C. And that'll be June 10th and 11th. So please consider joining the New Market Task Force Working Group, attending the webinar, as well as the conference. And I want to just say thank you, Brad, for sharing your insights today and giving us a broader view of the effects of lower equity pricing. But really sort of more important than that, uh, what can be done to adjust to that reality to allow you know, high impact community development uh, activities to proceed uh, in light of you know, the current downtick in equity pricing. Now, if you're listening to this podcast and you're interested in talking to Brad and getting his thoughts on issues that you're facing, then I'd encourage you to reach out to him. You can reach him through email. That's brad.elphick at novaco.com. And that's Brad, B-R-A-D dot Elphick, E-L-P-H-I-C-K at novaco.com. I will include his email address in today's show notes. And I'll also include a link to more information on the New Marcus Tax Credit Working Group. And I'll tweet it out as well. I did want to say in terms of next week's podcast, next week's podcast will feature my partner, Amanda Reed, as she's the guest. And the topic is going to be community development financial institutions, as well as the Capital Magnet Fund. And if you know about either one of those topics, then you certainly want to listen. And if you don't know about those topics, then you should listen in. You can make sure that you're notified as soon as that episode and future episodes are available by subscribing to the Tastra Tuesday podcast. You can go to www.novaco.com slash podcast to subscribe, as well as to stream the show directly from our website. You can also subscribe to Task Credit Tuesday on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Radio Public. That's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived podcasts are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. You can find related links referenced in this podcast in our show notes at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast. Novogratik and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.